I am really uh, grateful to God for the opportunity to share with you folks uh, in this Exchange Life conference. And just want to begin by, uh, if I may, uh, breaking the ice a little bit uh, by telling you a little bit about how I came to know Dr. Solomon and Dr. Woodward. Um, my wife and I, my wife's not with me tonight. She's uh, in charge of eight eight grandchildren this weekend. You're in trouble. Well, we've uh, we just returned from several days together. All my wife and I have uh, been married 40, uh, 46 years, and. Um, we have five children and eight grandchildren, and we just returned from uh, Guatemala in Central America, where one of our daughters was married to uh, another missionary, a young man on the staff of our mission in Guatemala. And we spent several days together, all of us, uh, enjoying that time. So uh, this is just a little bit of an afterburner of all being together. But uh, you're, you're right, it is a lot of work for my wife and these tonight and tomorrow, but she's very glad to be that I'm here and would love to be here with us. Uh, we were, my wife and I are missionaries with an organization you may have heard of over the years called Word of Life International, uh, started by a man by the name of Jack Wilson and his later co-director Harry Baldwin. But my wife and I raised our family on the mission field of Argentina. We were there for 33 years. And uh, over the last uh, eight years of our time in Argentina, our role in the ministry began to change, not rapidly, but rather gradually. And we found ourselves with an increasing frequency uh, coming alongside other servants of God, other missionaries, some within our organization, mostly within the Word of Life organization, but also some outside of Word of Life, and pastors and people that we knew that know and love the Lord. Uh, increasing, with an increasing frequency, we found ourselves um, sitting with people as they were trying to find their way through a storm in their life, deep problems. And you may be surprised to know that missionaries and pastors uh, are often targets of some of the fiercest attacks in their life as spiritual leaders. And um, when we began to be involved in coming alongside others to help, we very quickly found that we needed to acquire some tools if we were going to do anything to help someone else. So that launched us on a project of reading and studying and inquiring as to uh, how others successfully do what we saw as a great need. Well, to make a long story short, we are, the leadership of our uh, mission organization had the same vision, the same passion, recognized some of the same things that we were finding with increasing frequency. And um, things came together. We decided it, was, it became very apparent that to do what the Lord was indicating to us that we should begin to do would require our leaving the mission fields to relocate back here in the 
USA. So we've done that. We got, we got back here in April of 2013. So it's soon be four years that we left our mission field. And um, it was a long, uh, I was already in the process of distance learning to gain, to gain some accreditation in biblical counseling. And uh, I, had, I knew of a man and his wife who carried out what seemed to me from a distance to be a, a successful ministry of biblical counseling to those who are in vocational Christian service. So we, circumstances allowed us to spend some time with them. Um, just a few, a matter of a few days after being with this couple and the model of biblical counseling that they employ is based on Dr. Solomon's um, book, The Handbook to Happiness with the Wheel and the Line Diagram, fundamental of what they're doing with biblical counseling for vocational workers. So we spent a few days with our with these uh, with the couple. Uh, they actually took us through a personalized seminar. <laughs> I went there to, to learn how to, to glean from them how they do what they do, and little did I realize the divine appointment that God had set up for me and for my wife. And uh, so we came away from the uh, couple of days of gaining uh, our first experience with the wheel and blind diagrams. We're going to talk about the wheel diagram here in just a moment. And just a few days later, I was at a, a church with a childhood friend of mine uh, down near Atlanta, and Dr. Solomon and his wife Sue were there. So uh, I became very familiar with the Handbook to Happiness, and I met Dr. Solomon. Uh, by the time I met Dr. Solomon, I had already signed up for the conference, this conference, in the fall of 2014. And um, to, to say that we are excited about what about the, the, the truths that we're going to give attention to tonight is a, is a terrible understatement. Um, this has become so very precious for us, for myself and for my wife. And uh, we've had the opportunity now since coming to the conference uh, in the fall of 2014 and then uh, later to the workshop. And we find this presentation of God's eternal truth to be of such value that uh, I'm just excited for any opportunity I have to talk with anyone about it. Now I need to tell you when I'm excited because the, uh, the facial expressions that I have don't really communicate the level of excitement that I have. So I need to tell you about that. Now sometimes I'll use my hands or my arms because for many years we communicated in Spanish and you can't speak Spanish without waving your hands and your arms in here. <laughs> so I've brought some of that with me from the past. And by the way, while I'm saying that, let me say that any grammatical errors that you hear from me tonight will blame it on the fact that my first language was Spanish for over 30 years. And so I've got that covered. Now I'm just free to talk with you guys, right? You ready for that? Well... When Dr. Wickard asked me if I would be available to come, I, I, I cleared my schedule because I valued this so 
So, and I'm glad that each one of you are here. And I, my prayer tonight is, as we is as we look at these truths together, that uh, the song that Doctor Solomon began to sing will continue to sing through the ages. Um, I, I hope you. I hope that each one was able to uh, to identify the pattern of God's work in in your life. If you look on page fifty nine. As that particular pattern. You know, there's, uh, there's great value. Uh, in my perspective, I see great value in being able to recognize a pattern in life, patterns in life. Things that God seems to allow to reoccur. Oh, the context, the names and the faces, the places may change, but the underlying root of it all is a pattern that God is bringing us continually. Uh, his, I believe that His intention out of His great love for us, after we become believers in Christ, God's intention is to allow us to discover our own inabilities so that we will be prepared uh, to rely on Him, to look for Him, to search for Him. Uh, a few years ago, there's a very popular song. Uh, at least it was popular around my house. I had uh, younger children at home at the time, and uh, frequently they're playing this song on their <coughs> recording on their devices, music equipment. But one of the lines in that song really stood out to me. Uh, the the singer had a line. He said, he said it like this: "Lord, give me your eyes for just one second. Give me your eyes." that I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. And the song goes on. But that little segment of that song, God really used to to speak into my heart, to, to awaken in me an awareness of the fact that repeatedly in my life, God was bringing me to, uh, bringing me to the opportunity to uh, come into the reality, to accept this reality of my identity in Christ. Have, have you heard someone say, I, I've heard it said often, maybe, maybe you've said it yourself, I've certainly said it on occasion, that Christian life is, is really hard. Have you ever thought that? Have you said it? Have you, have you heard others? Yeah. It's very common. The Christian life is hard. Well, uh, Dr. Woodward has referred a couple times to uh, Ian Thomas in his book, uh, The Saving Life of Christ. I, I think I read that book uh, the first year that I was saved, uh, along with some others, like The Normal Christian Life. Uh, when I came to Christ, and, and, and let me pause here to say that my, my journey was like this. If you're looking at that diagram on page 59, that downward diagonal line, conviction of sin, uh, that took 26 years for me. Uh, Every story here is going to be different, but my story is that it took 26 years of a process of God bringing me to recognize my lostness and my need of Savior. 
And that happened on February 15th of 1976. So at the bottom of that cross, I wrote 1976. I, I could very clearly write 26 years on that diagonal line going down. Uh, 1976 at the foot of the cross and then immediately my wife and I we were married for five years at the time that we came to know Christ as our Savior uh, my wife in January of 1976 and I accepted the Savior in 19 February <clears throat> immediately we became active in our local church, wouldn't trade that. I wouldn't trade that experience. But immediately we were on the path to service, and we 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 set our hand to the plow, and we we never looked back. We we'd be launched into a a life of vocational service for him. We became foreign missionaries, and before we were Christians for four years. We were on the mission field in South America uh, as full-time missionaries. That's not uh, a recommended route to take. Uh, God, God had to spend some extra grace on us to get us toward maturity in our faith while we were placed in position. And sought, we sought those positions of of influencing others or attempting to influence others. And, I, and we, had, we had a good measure of success. And I would say to you that the measure of success that we find in life before coming into our, the reality of our identity of Christ, that measure of success is often the thing that keeps us from entering into our identity in Christ. Have you seen that experience in perhaps? As long, as long as we can get along relatively well on our own resources, we're not really prone to look to resources that are not our own. We're not really uh, prone to, to open our eyes and see everything that we keep missing. But uh, in the summer of 2014, 38 years later, 38 years after the foot of the cross, um, 38 years of trying to look like a duck and walk like a duck and act like a duck out of my own resources, I, I discovered God opened my eyes so that I could see everything that I've been missing all those 38 years. <coughs> The Christian life isn't impossible. Uh, I'm sorry. The Christian life isn't difficult. The Christian life is impossible. The only one that has ever lived the Christian life is Jesus. And praise God that resurrected Jesus lives in you, lives in me, and it's God's design from before the foundations of the earth that Jesus would live his life in you and in me. And, and for that to occur, we have to stop trying to trying harder to do better. 
trying to act like a duck and walk like a duck and quack like a duck and assume that we are a duck. Summer of 2014. 38 years of trying hard to do better. 38 years of the assurance of my salvation, the security of my salvation, my acceptance, and 38 years of my spirit and soul, not just not quite in harmony, or not consistently. And those me- that measure of success that I could find in my own resources seemed to limit me, seemed to block me from coming to that re- realization of the dynamic that Dr. Woodward is so clearly placed before us today in his explanations. There's a beauty to that. When I came away from my divine appointment with God in the summer of 2014, my my, my uh, My, my desire was to shout it from the rooftops. I'm free. I'm free. I'm finally free. Finally free to begin to become everything that God has always intended for me to be in Christ. But you and I, no one, can ever be what God intends for us to be until it's Christ living in me and you. He is the only one that has that power to live that Christian life. You see, we know those things to be true. So, uh, do you see your pattern uh, represented in one of those diagrams? I, I, I see such great value, and I thank you, Dr. Ruben, for uh, pointing, the, pointing us to those things. If you would please open to page 53. Summary steps and sanctification. You know this. Uh, this might seem to be a well. I suppose some could easily think. Uh, well, that sounds really good on the, the explanation Dr. Woodward gives. I, I, I see that. I see it in God's word. I, I see that it's true. Wonderful theory. Uh, how about getting it down from there? down to our, our walk, our shoe leather. And, and the, the importance of what we'll talk about in this, uh, in this session especially is summary steps in sanctification. How to, how to, in other words, how to get it down from the theory down into where we live and move and have our being. Okay, does that seem to be a valid topic for the hour? I, I trust that you see it as that. Number one, to know. If you open your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, or we have our verse, Romans chapter 6, verse 6, here on the printed page, Paul says, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away, that so we should no longer be in bondage to sin. That, that, came, that, that becomes so importantly clear when we realize our identity in Christ that He is my life. 
that my life ended, the line diagram so graphically presents these truths, eternal truth in God's Word made in, made in such a practical explanation. It happened when, when we accept Christ. That's when it happens. We know this to be true. Don't we know that the Word of God says that Jesus died, took our sin on Himself and died on that cross? Well, yes, we know that. How do we know that? Well, the most important way to answer that question is is because God's Word reveals it. And we accept that truth by faith. It's a reality. Well, don't we also know that the same Word of God says that you died with Him on that cross? Adam's life ended. Your life in Adam was terminated the day that you accepted Christ. What a beautiful thing. Not only were you, were you in Christ when He was on that cross, not, not only did Jesus take your sin and pay that penalty, He took you. And your life ended in Adam. And then, not if that were, if that were all, it would be a beautiful story. But there's more. The beautiful truth is that He is in you. And you are in Him. Both things are true. Both of those truths come to us from God's Word. The same truth that tells us that Jesus died for our sins. The same Bible tells us that truth. The same truth is stated. You were in Him and He is in you. Repeatedly through the New Testament we find that language. And so, living the Christian life for me is impossible. Living the Christian life for Jesus is the most natural thing under heaven. Our eternal life. What, why, why would God want us to remain here on the earth in this life without the power to live a life that pleases Him? Well, the truth of the matter is that He wants to empower you and me to live the life that's pleasing to Him. But to do that, we have to know what we find in Romans 6, 6. We have to know that our old man was crucified. The body of sin might be done away. That we should no longer be in bondage to sin. Free, finally free, to begin to be everything that God has always intended for the human. For the human to be. You died in your... Colossians 3.3 3. I almost go back. Colossians 3.3 3, For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I think I can remember where I was the first time I read that statement in my Bible. It would have been early in the year 1976. And when I read that statement I was stricken with the beauty of it. My life, failure, disappointment, frustration, lack of acceptance, lack of a feeling of worth, all that life is hidden, buried 
and the life now of this human life is the Jesus living in me. But to come to that realization, sometimes it takes some time. I don't know your story, but I've told you just a little bit of mine. A 38-year process to come to the end of myself. And the main reason that I think that it took so long is because I met with a certain degree of success in my own strength. Oh, don't get me wrong. I want, I love, I loved my Savior all those years when I was striving, trying harder to do better because I loved. But somehow, it takes some, some and some of us, it takes some time. And, and some of us, it takes an accumulation of, of disappointments. And some of us, God continually brings us to circumstances where our efforts are not enough. Our devotion isn't enough. Our, our, our desire to try harder, to do better, doesn't meet with expectations. And we painfully come to those realizations. And, and, and God may well have brought you here to equip you with um, a presentation of eternal truth so that you will be able to, to bring others to find some answers to the questions in their own heart or, or questions in your own heart. But uh, no. How, how do we get this from theory down, down into our life and our practice? And how is it that we walk in this victory? Well, we we have to begin here. We have to know this is true. God has declared it to be true. Colossians three nine says, "Do not lie to one another, one another, since you put off the old man with his deeds." Listen, here's the beautiful truth. <laughs> You didn't just get something new when you accepted Christ. You became someone new. Amen? I, I think you would tell the same story. Oh, am, am I glad for that truth. I didn't just get something new to help me do better when I accepted Christ. I became someone new. A new life in Christ. A new creation. Second Corinthians five twenty one has been referred to earlier, but it's a beautiful truth. When you accepted Christ, you were made the righteousness of God in Him. What is that? The righteousness of God in Him. Oh, my my righteousness doesn't even begin to show up on the scale. He He is in me. The one who we we could never say this. I, I could never say this of my own my own efforts. That I do always the things that please the Father. Even when I want to, even when I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Just before I made my decision for Christ, I gotta tell you this little point. <clears throat> I was really trying to clean it up. I was I mean my wife was had made a decision for Christ. I was so glad that she did. I thought, well, this, this girl really needed to change. You know? Now, she's not here. I get by saying that. 
But uh, we've been married five years. And uh, when she accepted Christ as her Savior, He brought change into her life. Now, we had some sad circumstances in the year prior to her conversion. And the, those sad and difficult circumstances just seemed to take the spark out of her life. Now, I, I regret that she's not here with me because you identify what I'm talking about immediately. I bring calm and steady to the relationship. My wife brings energy, excitement. She's the sparkle. My, my wife is the motor. Now, that doesn't sound right. My wife makes my motor hum. Okay? <clears throat> if, if, if she were only here, I wouldn't have needed to spend those moments saying that. <clears throat> but in that year, prior to her conversion, the spark was gone. When she made a decision for Christ, now i got to tell you, I have been an atheist for 13 years. Now, I tried my, my very best to bury anything that reminded me of God and my responsibility to Him. <clears throat> when she accepted Christ as her Savior, God put the life back in her. No, He put His life in her. And, and the sparkle was never more attractive. And uh, I had been an arguer, but I couldn't argue with a transformed life. And uh, she was sharing with me the truth of God's Word, and I, I couldn't make my best effort at arguing with that. But let God be true and every man a liar. The reality of the Gospel is undeniable. So, when we accept, when my wife and I became believers, we wanted a new life. And praise God, that new life began. I, I, I want to go back to my, my page here because here, here's a reference to jot down under this under the same heading there with Colossians 3.9. 1st and 2nd Corinthians 5.21 made the righteousness of God in Him. He who knew no sin made sin for us that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in Him. Then 2nd Peter chapter 1 verses 1 to 4. Beautiful, beautiful text. Let me just bring your attention to this phrase from 2nd Peter 1. All things that pertain to life and godliness are given to us in, this, in His Word in our relationship with Him. All things that pertain to life on the horizontal plane. All things that pertain to life in the vertical plane. Godliness. All of those things. And as Dr. Woodward made reference to this verse in the earlier hour, made a partaker of the divine nature. Now that just needs, that has an effect on it, it's, it, as we used to say some years ago, that blows my hair back. And I take myself with that. <clears throat> Made a partaker of the divine nature. We, we need to know that God's word is true. And what he says, we are to, we have the joyful, the joyous experience of embracing that truth. But that's the first place we have to go to know what His Word says about who we are in Christ 
and that Christ is in you and in me.